This is Mike Quinlan, and you are listening to the Business Owner Transition Podcast. There is one constant in business, and that is that every one of us will eventually exit, and sometimes sooner than we think. In this podcast, we discuss topics to help you with elite preparation, so when you're ready for transition, you won't just exit, you will join that exclusive group of owners who have accomplished an elite exit. We talk with former owners, exit advisors, and a host of other experts to help you increase the value of your exit, execute it on your terms, and most importantly, do it without regret. So let's join the show. Hi, and welcome back to the Business Owner Transition Podcast. I'm Mike Quinlan, and today we're going to talk about why businesses don't sell and barriers to an elite exit. We have some great resources available for you to gain a better understanding about your exit readiness. Just go to our website, theowneracademy.com, and you're going to find a couple of different great things. The first is the top 10 deal pitfalls that is available for an immediate download on our homepage. You're also going to see the business wellness checkup assessment. And that's right on the top of the homepage. Click on that and it's going to take you to a great short assessment that will tell you about your personal readiness and key value drivers about your business. Now, continue listening to the podcast because I'm going to talk to you a little bit later about our special spring valuation assessment campaign a great opportunity for you as a business owner to get a better understanding of what your company is worth. So over the last week, we helped an owner finish up a transaction, and I also had the opportunity to talk with three potential consulting or academy students about their preparation for exit. It was interesting that all three initially told me that they are well prepared for exit or that they would prepare when they were ready to sell. So We've talked about this before, pushing that easy button. All of these owners were within 24 months of selling the business, and one was actually ready to sell immediately, but really had no interest in preparing for the sale. After asking all of them a few basic questions, it was apparent that all of these owners would eventually sell their business, but would not likely achieve an elite exit. And remember, we define an elite exit as maximizing transaction value on your terms and without regret. So I thought that this might be a good time for a discussion of why business owners fail to achieve the elite exit. This is a collection of observations from owners that I've talked with over the last 10 years. Some of these owners became clients, others did not. And Basically, what we're going to do today is we're going to break our conversation down into several areas. The first three are more general in nature and deal with company structure, owner readiness, and also the deal itself. The second section will be more specific and categorize failure points within the framework of the I'm Good checklist. Now, remember, every business is unique and there's always special cases out there, but Here we go. So let's start with structure. 
The first major thing is the business has no competitive advantage and it has a very low barrier to entry. The second structural element is the business is in an unattractive industry. Maybe an industry that is becoming obsolete or is not showing much growth. The third is business location. Are you in a rural area or are you in a metropolitan area? What access do you have to labor required to run your business? And then also, are you a remote site or do you have on-site workers? Workers are expecting now much more opportunity and flexibility to work from their home. Number four, business is too small. And the problem with small businesses is that they attract fewer buyers and they tend to get lost in the crowd when it comes to marketing the business. So what is a business that's too small? You know, if your business is not worth a million dollars in enterprise value, then you're pretty small. If you're less than 500,000, so maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars in enterprise value that you might gain from the sale, then you're getting into that really too small kind of micro company that really you're probably going to sell to another person versus another organization. Number five is external factors. And what we're talking about there is we're talking about the economy. We're talking about geopolitical issues and also political and environmental issues. If any of these areas can greatly impact the timing and the ability for you to sell your business. Okay, so let's talk about personal readiness of the owner and the business's readiness to sell. And remember, you can look at our business wellness checkup tool and get a little bit of an understanding of where you might be in this readiness scenario. So owner readiness and business readiness. Number one, typically owners and businesses are really not ready to sell. Most owners have never been educated on the selling process and very few get any formal education around the process. The Business Owner Transition Academy is a great place to get some of this education and that's what it has been designed for. It takes you through the full five-phase process that we use with our consulting clients to take them from just engaging and thinking about selling their business or transitioning their business to somebody else all the way to the closing table. The second major issue is part of the three big questions. And that first big question is, how much do you need to get from the transaction? And how do you know? The how do you know part comes from doing formal financial planning to give you a better understanding of your post-exit cash flow. Many deals have fallen apart because the owner didn't really understand how much money they needed to get from the deal. Okay, the next thing, owner did not understand non-compete or non-solicit. There's a lot of folks that want to sell their company and then maybe do some consulting afterwards or maybe do something that is in the same industry but maybe a different business. Most, if not all, buyers are going to put these provisions into the transaction to prevent you from competing against them. 
Okay, the owner did not understand requirements for representations, warranties, or indemnification. So that's legal stuff. That is a, generally a very large stack of documents that talk about how you are representing the company to the new owners, what kind of warranties or indemnifications that are being provided to protect the owner against information or failure to provide information about your company to them. The next one is the owner did not understand the extent of the due diligence process. Due diligence is painful. Once the LOI is signed and you enter into the due diligence process, basically the buyer is looking at your company with a fine tooth comb. They're trying to find all the things wrong with it so that they can pay you less. Your job and your team's job is to protect the value that you've negotiated in the LOI through the due diligence period, and then into the purchase agreement. Owners sometimes have a very difficult time going through due diligence because they're not prepared to provide all the information that is required, or they become frustrated with the amount of time that it's taking away from their ability to run the business or their senior management team's ability to run the business. Sometimes people just quit and they never make it through due diligence. All right, the owner had seller's remorse during the deal process. This often arises from the owner not really having a vision for what post-life was going to look like. And they didn't really understand why they were selling the company. It sounded like a good thing to do at the beginning, but as they started going through this lengthy process, they kind of lost their why for the business sale. All right, the next one. Owner was held hostage by key employees. And this is a situation that can arise where you have key employees that are important to the business and they have some kind of leverage over you. During the process, they ask you for more money. They ask you for a piece of the deal itself. And you may not be prepared to do that. They can cause serious problems for you as they are talking to the new ownership about employment agreements and other provisions. All right, there was no consensus between ownership group members about what they were going to do and how they were going to sell it and what the price was going to be because they all had different objectives. I've seen this on multiple occasions where you have a company that's owned by several people and they can't come to terms with exactly how they're going to sell and why they're going to sell, and what they're going to do afterwards. The company may never even start the sales process because of this inability to come to consensus. All right, the next one. Owner did not have a clear vision for life after the sale of the business, and they just couldn't figure out what their post-transaction elevator speech really was going to be. If you listen to our December podcast, it was all about your post-transaction elevator speech. You know, think about it this way. You get in an elevator today and I ask you what you do. You're going to tell me this wonderful stuff about how you own this X business. Now, the day after you sell your business, what are you going to say? What's it going to sound like? What is your new purpose for the future? Who are you? This clear vision of life after the business really also goes to, are you able to separate your identity from your business. Okay, 
Let's now start going down into some of the deal provisions and problems that happen there. The number one thing deal professionals report is the owner has set a price expectation that is too high and is unrealistic. We are conducting a spring valuation assessment campaign. If you go to the ownersacademy.com, you go to our courses page, you're going to see a course called valuation assessment. And when you select that course, go in and put a coupon code spring valuation 2022. That's all one word, Spring Valuation 2022. And for a limited amount of time, we are going to do a free valuation assessment for you. Take advantage of it. We'd love to talk to you about the valuation assessment. Much of the information you'll be able to put in on your own. And as you're putting it in, you'll see the valuation change on the fly. So it's pretty cool stuff. Okay. Owner did not create a competitive environment. So what does that mean? That means that maybe you got an unsolicited offer, you think it's pretty good, and you decide that you want to move forward. Unfortunately, when you do this and you start going through the LOI process and then you start going into due diligence and then you start going into the purchase agreement, the buyer has a great amount of leverage because the buyer knows that there's nobody else waiting in the wings. So they can start changing the deal. They can start repricing things and make it very difficult. So you end up leaving more money on the table. What we most often recommend and like to see is first of all, that you're working with a M&A professional and you are marketing that business to try to generate multiple bids on your business. That generally gives you a better opportunity to maximize value. And remember, elite exits, maximizing value on your terms and without regret. Not only does creating competition and getting multiple offers maximize the value of the transaction, but you also have a better opportunity to get the terms you are wanting to have happen. You may not want to stay with the business. You may not want to earn out. You may not want you know, lots of different things. And by being competitive and in multiple offers, then it's more likely that you're going to get some of the things that you want. Okay, here's a big one. The owner started negotiations with a potential buyer before engaging the exit team. I've seen this time and time again, where an owner will receive a offer They'll go ahead and have their first phone call. The business person on the other side is, remember, that's not the deal team person on the other side. It's just the business person on the other side. They're going to make everything sound great, and you may send them some information and, and maybe do a non-disclosure, which you absolutely want to do. But all of a sudden, you start getting into these conversations that start sounding like negotiations. And you really want to avoid that. You want to get your team involved at the very beginning so that they can start having some of those conversations on your behalf, or at least are sitting with you as you're having those conversations. All right, the next one. So we were talking about who your team is. How much experience do they have in transactions? Many times a owner will work with their attorney that they've had forever and that attorney may be 
a multiple discipline type attorney. Maybe they're doing a lot of estate work or a lot of real estate work and are really not versed in all of the requirements for a business sale, especially post-COVID. There are a lot of new provisions in there that are being negotiated by buyers that a transaction attorney really needs to be involved. And it's not just the attorney, but it's the CPA as well. You may have a CPA that is doing tax returns for you, but they are not doing financial statements and they are not versed in transaction tax. So it's important to understand the team around you. You may have a financial advisor that is working with you, but they've never been involved in a business sale and don't know the language to coordinate with all of your other advisors. Having an advisory team that are transaction specialists is a key element. All right, the next one, owner unable to control emotions and make clear decisions. This happens often. I get a lot of phone calls during the process at uh, nine o'clock at night from the owner and they're confused, they're upset, they're stressed out, and they have to make big decisions, right? This is the one of the biggest transactions of your life. You need to have a clear head while you're doing it. I will put out another podcast here soon about decision-making and the biases that you have as you make decisions, especially as they manifest themselves in stressful situations. We'll talk about that later, but suffice to say, controlling emotions and having advisors around you that you can bounce things off of and that you can just ask for, for help is critical. All right, the next one is personality conflict between buyer and seller. As you get into the fray of negotiating and going through this process, it's easy for friction to manifest itself. Oftentimes, it is the seller going, hey, this is what they're trying to do to me, when the reality of it is is that the buyer is just doing the best thing that they can for their future ownership of the business, or if they have shareholders or other partners involved trying to get the best deal for them and their partners. So it's not a personal attack. It's just the way that these things work. It's just business. All right. So the next one, owner fails to anticipate deal structure and proceeds paid at closing. So somebody tells you, hey, listen, I'm going to pay you $10 million for your business. And you think that's awesome. And you get really excited about it. And you decide that you're going to start moving forward. Well, maybe you didn't think about, okay, so they're going to pay me $10 million, but I've got $2 million in debt, or I've got a line of credit that has built up and I need to pay that out. The structure of the deal may include an earnout, So they may pay you $5 million and then have a series of earnout buggies that you've got to hit over the next two or three years. Escrows. You probably will have escrows for various things. You'll have escrows for reps and warranties. You may have escrows for the earnout. You may have escrows for working capital adjustments, which we'll talk about next, and not realize how much money is being held back out of the deal. The next thing is the actual working capital of your business. Just remember, you're going to have to leave some working capital in the business 
so that when the new person takes over, they're able to immediately operate the business. And that is a highly, highly negotiated element. And owners generally fail to think about this prior to going into the deal. All right. So the next one is owners are not willing to participate in an earnout. I can't tell you how many times somebody has told me that they are going to sell their company and they're going to get all cash. Maybe because they have not really prepared their company with the I'm good checklist. Maybe there's just not a way to do that. And it is going to require a earnout to get it done, or it could require seller financing, which is for smaller businesses is sometimes required, especially if you're doing an internal transaction. And you've got to think about these things early on. You don't want to be thinking about these things in the middle of a deal. So speaking about being in the middle of a deal, buyer was not vetted by the owner for financial ability to purchase. Sometimes a buyer gives you a great letter that says, I want to buy your company and you get excited about the amount of money they want to pay you. You get started in the process and realize that the buyer really doesn't have the money. They've not secured the financing to be able to actually purchase the business. And it wastes a lot of time. It takes your business off the market. Again, another really good reason to have a professional M&A advisor as part of your team. All right. And here is the last one in this section. It is fairly pervasive and it is revenue decline during the sales process. The owner took the eye off the ball while going through the sales process. Remember that you are going to have to continually update your financial statements and show those to the buyer as you're going through the transaction process. Look, if your revenue is falling off the table because you're working on deal stuff or you're thinking, okay, I'm at the finish line, I'm all done, and you kind of lose track of what's going on, your purchase price is likely to go down in the process. Okay, so let's now transition to the second piece of this. We're going to talk about the I'm Good Checklist. As we do this, we're going to talk about each element of the I'm Good Checklist, and I'm going to give you just a couple of things in each of these areas we have seen be an issue for either the cash flow or quality of the business. And those two things combined result in a purchase price. So let's start out with I. And I is for increasing cash flow. And you may hear about this as increasing cash flow or EBITDA. So the first one there is business financial metrics are not attractive. And this is across the board, your metrics. It could be receivables. It could be payables. It could be sales. It could be a bunch of different things. If you have a business where, number one, you're not tracking all of those things, number two, the structure of your financials uh, doesn't allow you to track those type of things. A buyer is going to have a really difficult time sorting all this out and being able to maximize what they can pay you. The second thing is declining EBITDA. We talked a little bit about that during the sales process, but if you have year over year EBITDA that is declining, it's very difficult for your company to be attractive to buyers. The next one is related to that. No revenue strategy produces variable revenue year over year. So if you haven't documented what your bottom line revenue strategy is, so your bottom line cash flow strategy, 
we always advocate for documenting your cash flow strategy and your strategy to increase cash flow, either through top line or through the management of the business internally. If you're having variable cash flow year over year, then it's also a a difficult thing for buyers. No recurring revenue element. If you're a, a, a transactional company, you don't have repeat customers and recurring revenue. That's also less attractive. Revenue below industry norms. As you compare yourself to other businesses in your industry, where do you fall out? Are you similar to them or are you exceeding what the industry is or are you way below for some reason? In our valuation assessment, we will be able to give you some information around that. Revenue below a million dollars. We talked earlier about this. And if you're below a million dollars, you just have a much smaller pool of potential buyers out there. Low profitabilities and margins. Buyers are looking for companies that have healthy bottom line margins. It helps them with their ROI calculations. And also if they're financing the business, if the post-financing ROI is too low, then they're not going to look at your company. Okay, let's go to the M now in the I'm Good Checklist. M is institutionalized management. What I mean by that is the business cannot be dependent on the owner being there all the time. You've got to have people that can run your business besides you. The second one here is that the business owner maintains key customer, vendor, and financial relationships. If you've not institutionalized those relationships inside your company, then it is going to be, number one, a little bit more difficult to sell. But number two, you can absolutely expect that the buyer is going to want you to stay on for some length of time. Number three, too many family members in management positions. So you're a family business, your son, daughter, cousin are all involved in key areas of the business. You want to sell and the buyers are thinking, okay, so if we sell, then or if we buy this company, how many of these people are going to actually stay? Again, just a little more uncertainty about the management team. No agreements to retain key employees. Do you have employment agreements? And do you have any kind of stay bonuses or incentive plans that keep employees around even after you sell the business? No agreements to protect against competition or solicitation. So again, employee employment agreements, Do you have them? Are these provisions in those agreements? Because your buyers are going to come in and they're going to want to make sure that your key employees are not going somewhere else and they're not going to do the exact same thing. Just start business up and compete with them. Okay, the last one, poor access to required labor. Yeah, this is a tough market right now. There's a lot of people that have left the workforce or are looking for much more flexible employment opportunities. If you're not in a place where you have good access to those kind of people, you're going to have a hard time attracting quality buyers. Okay, let's go to the G now. That is the growth element of the I'm Good checklist. First of all, we want to make sure that you have a documented, written growth plan. Many, many companies that I talk to do not have a written growth plan. They also don't have written sales plans and they don't have a written company strategy. All of these things are related to each other. They're typically in the heads of the owners or in the heads of the management teams. And I'm not talking about just small companies. I'm not talking about companies that are, you know, worth four or five million bucks, but I'm talking about companies that are worth 50 million bucks. 
where these critical elements, the growth plans, the sales plans, the company strategies are not written down. And because they're not written down, they have a weak management metric program. You know, I always ask people, you're telling me all this stuff about how great your company is. Now show me how you know that that's true. Sometimes people have a hard time doing that. Okay, the last one under growth is kind of an interesting one. You may think, well, that doesn't make sense, but it's high growth rate with little history. What happens there is you may be in a, in a business where you're just killing it, but you don't have a long history of, of sustained growth. It may be a new catalyst. And typically the owner wants to be paid for future revenues associated with this rapid growth rate. Buyers don't want to do that. They want to pay for what was the stable rate of cash flow over time. You may be able to negotiate terms that allow you to capture some of that growth rate, but just realize, you know, buyers buy the past. You want to get paid for the future. And sometimes that doesn't align. All right. The next element of the I'm good checklist is the first O and the first O is optimizing financial performance. What we see as one of the first major issues is that there is not a culture of financial performance in the business. Several things are associated with that. One is that they have inaccurate financial statements. Two is that their working capital is not defined or tracked. Three is that their financial processes are not defined or followed. What we're talking about there is, hey, look, we're not managing to a budget. We've got no pro forma financial statements. We might even be understating expenses. Things like rent or insurance are not properly accounted for in the financial statements and really will reduce the overall price of the business. Another area is tax returns that are not reconciled to the financial statements. And then the last one is high debt load. Okay, the second O in the I'm Good checklist is operations and documenting operations. So let's talk about some of those things. One is all of those agreements that you have with customers and vendors and lease agreements, they need to be assignable. Otherwise, you may not be able to sell your business. If I know that you are counting on recurring revenue from a specific customer for a set of services or products that you're supplying to them, and that contractor agreement is not assignable to a new owner, then the new owner is going to be, hey, listen, I, I don't have great confidence that I'm going to be able to capture that revenue. There's nothing locking it in, so you're going to get paid less. The next thing is not disclosing warts on the business early in the process. I probably could have put this up in the deal area. The reality of it is, is that if you've not gone through elite preparation and taken care of, first of all, identifying areas of weakness in your business, you will need to disclose those to potential buyers and you'll want to do it early in the process. Sometimes that's okay. It's not a big deal, but it becomes a big deal during the deal process when they go through due diligence and start finding this kind of stuff, and all of a sudden they're either not interested or they're dinging you on price. The next one is your retirement plan. Are you in compliance with ERISA and Department of Labor? If not, you need to get in compliance now. 
operational processes documented. You know, you have supply chains, you have the way you make your widgets or the way you provide your services. You have human capital and employment processes. All of these processes that it takes to actually run your business where another the buyer, if you were going to buy your business, what would you want to see that would show you how to run it? Those are the operational processes that you should have documented. We talked a little bit about vendor agreements, capital or customer agreements and lease agreements. All of those things need to be documented and assignable. Any capital assets that you use to produce revenue need to be secured. That means that they need if you don't own them, you have long-term agreements to be able to use them. An example would be, I worked with an aviation company one time. They had two airplanes that were owned by investors. They used them to produce 75% of their revenue, but their agreement with the investor was the investor could, could sell or pull away those airplanes at any time for any reason. So 75% of their revenue was based on assets that could go away at any time, does not provide a lot of confidence for a buyer about the ability going forward to generate revenue. HR compliance, mentioned that just a minute ago, that is something that you must be compliant with. Legal and environmental compliance, supply chain documentation. Do you have supply chain flexibility? Are you only sourcing elements of your either manufacturing process, your distribution process from one source? If that source goes away, can you quickly adapt and use another source for your supply chain? Is your building owned or rented? Important consideration. If your building is owned, is it owned by the business or is it owned in a separate LLC? A lot to talk about with there outside the scope of this particular conversation. But realize that ownership of, of buildings inside your company is more difficult than it is if you have it as an LLC and are renting it back to the business. All right, now we get into the last element, which is the D for customer diversification. Do you have a high customer concentration? Do you have customers that are paying you more than 10% of your overall revenue? If you do, then that can be okay as long as you can tell the story as to why it's okay and how have you locked in those customers with long-term agreements. Do you operate in multiple geographic areas? Can you get some geographic diversification so that if there's economic downturns in different regions or in different countries, you are protected for top-line revenue? Are there multiple classes of products or services so that if you have one product that is not selling well or one service that is not doing well, you can generate revenue through others and it doesn't hurt you too badly on your overall top line revenue. So that's the I'm good checklist. These are all just examples of elements of the checklist that can either, again, increase revenue or increase the quality of your business. Quality of your business generally goes to what the multiple that's going to be paid for it is. So once again, all of these elements or all of the things that we discussed today are things that we have seen over the last 10 years of working with different 
business owners. Once again, every business is different. There's lots of special cases out there. Your business is different than the guy next to you. Just remember this. Elite athletes don't go to the field and practice on the field. This is Masters Week. All of those guys going to play the Masters, they're not going out there starting on Thursday and practicing new shots. They have gone through elite preparation to compete to try to win. And if you're going to have an elite exit, then you must complete elite preparation. That elite preparation will help you maximize value on your terms and most importantly, without regret. All right, so this has been Mike Quinlan. I've been happy to talk to you today. I hope you will go to the website and take advantage of the white paper on top 10 deal pitfalls, and you can just immediately download that. And then also you can click on the uh, take your free assessment button and get your business wellness checkup assessment. Again, immediate results there. And the last one is the special offer that we have going on on our spring valuation assessment campaign. So go to that valuation page, click on the valuation course, enter the coupon code spring valuation 2022. Again, spring valuation 2022. All right, it's been great. I look forward to seeing you next time. And please join us at theowneracademy.com.